Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today, I want to label my thoughts with these four words, on fire for Christ, on fire for Christ. By means of introduction, did you know that three out of four young people, or this is what I was told when I was in high school, that 75% of young people who grow up in a Christian home after their first year of college university will walk away from the Christian faith. The Bible says in the book of Timothy, we studied it before, that, that in the last days there will be people who will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and they will literally depart from the faith. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 John that if they have left the household of faith, then perhaps they were never part of the faith to begin with. But I want you to know that there is apostasy in our day. There's apostasy in, 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 in congregations all over America and the world. And as we come to this passage, I want you to know that, that the thoughts that are being relayed is to young men. And today, this message, I guess, could be a message geared towards young adults. But I want you to know that, that whether the Bible is mentioning the aged men in verse 2, or the aged women in verse number 3, or the young women in verse number, number 4 and 5, or the young men in verse number 6, we can take these words and we can apply them all to our life directly in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by means of introduction as well, you know that Paul's writing to this young man by the name of Titus who's going to the island of Crete to, to start churches, to ordain ministers, to, to do the work of God. And we see that he's telling Titus that when you're there, you need to find some of the older men of the faith and teach them to be this way. Teach the older women to be this way and teach the young men and young women to be this way. So today I want you to know this, that when the Bible's referring to young men and young women, it is referring to individuals who are still under the child rearing and child bearing ages. So they're still able to give birth and to rear children. And I'm sure that if you're here today, you're out of that phase of life. You're probably thanking Almighty God. <laughs> If I could summarize my message in one statement, and if you could walk away with anything today, I want you to walk away with this, with this statement. God is searching for people who are set on fire for His Word and Jesus Christ. God is searching for people who are set on fire for His Word and Jesus Christ. I'm sure you can just look back into your own life. Maybe if you grew up going to church, grew up in youth group, grew up, you know, going to Sunday school and, and going to Bible study throughout the week. I'm sure you can just think in your mind of the people that you were associated with as a teenager or a young adult. And today they are not even attending church regularly. And in fact, some of them have denounced the faith. I stand here before you to, to just let you know that, that hey, it's amazing that, that somebody can grow up in the same church, go to the same church camp, hear the same preaching, and be underneath the sound teaching and preaching of the Word of God and still come out on the other end saying the Bible's not true and Jesus is not who He said He was. So today I want you to know this, 
that there's times in all of our lives that we've experienced a, 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 a piece of the fire of God and we were excited, we were passionate about God's word. And I believe that these verses here reveal to us of how young women, young men and older men and older women can be on fire for God throughout all the days of their Christian walk. Today, I want you to know that, that you don't have to be a teenager. You don't have to be in your 20s. You don't have to be in your 30s. You don't have to be in your 50s. You don't have to be a senior citizen today to be on fire for God. All you have to do is be willing to, to heed the message of God's word and apply it to your life. So my key question today is this. How can we be on fire for God? That is what I desire to ask and answer today in this message. And I believe our world is asking it. I believe the modern church is asking it. We see pastors in the modern church who are not living the way God has called them to live. And because they're not living the way God has called them to live in complete holiness to God, we see that the people in the pews are not doing that as well. As they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Today, I believe God wants people like me and people like you to be completely on fire for him and his word. And today I want to share with you three ways that we can be on fire for Christ. As I read verse number six, I wrote down this first thought. How can we be on fire for God? I wrote down this. Number one, be sound in mind. Be sound in mind. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Now, this word sober-minded, as we've studied it before, it gives the idea of to be sound in mind, to be sane, to be in the right state of mind, to be of sober mindset. And that's what we need today. We need some young men, young women, older men and older women who are just sound in mind, who are not giving over to, to, to alcoholism or to drugs or to all that stuff, but, but giving over to a sound mind in God and allowing God to, to indwell our thoughts, allowing God to pour into our mind each and every day. You know, I like what, what, what Michael Yusuf, I love listening to preaching, and Michael Yusuf is a guy that you really should get to know and listen to, but, but he was talking about being filled with the Spirit of God and he says it's like this you have a cup or a bottle and 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 if you want to drink water from this bottle you have to pour water in it and then you drink it and he says the day that you come to know Christ as Savior you are instantly filled with the Spirit of God he indwells us as the Bible says in Ephesians and other parts but then he says he goes on to say that that we have to daily fill up our cup with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And the only way we can remain on fire for God is if every single day we're going to God's Word and we're pouring God's Word into our lives and we're pouring the Spirit of God in our lives each and every single day. And if we don't do that, we will not be on fire for God. So here's a few thoughts I wrote down. I wrote down this. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Isaiah 26 verse 3 talks about how, how our minds will be full of peace when our minds are completely stayed on God. Paul wrote to the church of Philippi and he says to think on these things. He says, think on things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good report. Our thoughts should be toward the word of God. What did, what did the psalmist say in Psalm 119? He said, 
He said, Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. He said, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And let me not sin against thee. Do you want to be of a sound mind? Well, do you want to be on fire for God? Well, fill your mind with the word of the living God. Why is it today that we want to fill our minds with all the, all the garbage that's on television, all the garbage that's on Netflix and, and all the other streaming avenues of television? Why is it that we want to fill our minds with this world stuff instead of the word of God? Remember, when we stand before God, we're going to give account, yes, for the things that we've said, yes, for the things that we've done, but for every thought that we've ever had. And I, I don't know about you, but, but there's days that, that my life is consumed with, with thoughts full of sin, contaminated by sin. And each day I have to get on my knees and say, God, forgive me of the things that I have thought in my mind. I also wrote down this. Feel your mind with preaching or teaching from the Word of God. Do you want to be seriously minded as a follower of Christ? Well, fill your mind with God's Word. And then listen to people who are teaching and preaching from this book right here. You know, we go to church camp, and I went to church camp, you know, ever since I was in middle school. I've been going to church camp ever since then, every single year. And, and, and there was times in my life as a teenager that, that I, I was not saved, but I would get these sparks of fire that I would want to get into God's Word, and I would just be, be on a spiritual high, but then it would just fall down. And why do we see that today? Well, first of all, we see that because people are not truly born again. And in order to be, to be on fire for God, first of all, you've got to be born again. And then we've got to continually put our mind in God's Word and then hear people preach and teach God's Word. If you're a new Christian today, if you're young in the faith, you cannot expect to just open up God's Word and understand everything overnight. And what, what is great is to have people mentor you and to, and to shepherd over you and to teach you, say, hey, hey, here's some things that I've learned, that I've studied, and here's some food for thought. And we got to do that, you know, in every field of life. If you want to get better at playing basketball, you're going to hang around somebody who can teach you how to play basketball better. If you want to be a better child of God, you need to get around people, men and women alike, who can help you to become greater in your walk with the Lord. And you do that by listening to sound preaching and teaching from God's Word. And I want you to know this. If you're a child of God and you're listening to God's Word being taught, you sift it through God's Word. And then there's times that, that you hear somebody say something and you know in your spirit what is being said is not true. And so then you can go and you can match it with God's Word and perhaps... Perhaps, we, yes, we have so many Bible translations in our world today. In the English language, we have over 150 of them just in our language. But we are still the most biblically illiterate society our world has ever seen since Jesus ascended up to glory. Why is that? Well, we're allowing people to teach us instead of going into the Word of God and then listening to what people are saying and sift it from God's Word. I want to share with you that that sometimes we have to do some house cleaning, don't we, in our lives. We have to, perhaps you, you spring clean your house, and, and maybe if you want to feel extra generous, you can come to my house and spring clean my house. Uh, it would be a ministry for, for the man of God. <laughs> but when you begin to pull back the couch and pull the blinds off the windows, you begin to start to notice that, wow, those, those windows aren't as clean as I thought they were. And, Man, there's dust bunnies. Man, there's dust bunnies everywhere in my house, in your house. Sometimes we have to clean our house. 
And I want you to know that sometimes we got to clean up our relationship with God. Amen. And sometime back, sometime back, God just got a hold of me. And, and, you know, you'd sit down in the evenings after a long day of work and you just, you just want to watch TV for a few minutes. And that few minutes turns into a couple hours and sometimes going to bed later than what you really need to be. And so God began to convict me as I was watching shows that, listen, listen, they weren't extremely bad, but they were not glorifying Jesus Christ. And God began to convict me and he said, Brian, it's time to clean all this stuff out of your life and fill it with the preaching and teaching of God's word, instead of watching, you know, a few episodes of some Netflix show a day, instead of watching that, listen to somebody expound the word of God. And I'll tell you what, if you would lay aside a portion of the time you're on the internet or on the, the television or listening to a talk show radio, and, and instead of listening to that stuff, fill it with God's word and the preaching and teaching of God's word, you will get on fire for God. And you will stay on fire for God. And I wrote down this, guard your mind from anything that hinders your walk with God. Guard your mind from any, anything that hinders your walk with God. Yes, that means a TV show. Yes, that means people. I've noticed that people will either edify you in your walk with Christ or they will destroy your walk with Christ. Surround yourself with people who who are not seeking to, to just rip you a new one and, 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 and throw you under the bus. Seek to be around and surrounded by people who are encouraging you to be better in your walk with Christ. Guard your mind from anything that's not just going to hinder your walk with Christ, but guard your mind from anything that's going to hinder your relationship with God and your relationship with the people that you love the most in your life. So that means your spouse. If there's anything that's going to dive into your relationship between your spouse, get rid of it. If it's going to come between you two and, 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 and divide you and hinder your walk together as you're seeking to walk closer to God, get rid of it. Guard your mind and fill your mind with the preaching of God's word and his word. How do you expect to be on fire for God? Well, first of all, be of a sound mind. Be sound in mind. But may I share with you as I read the, verse number 7. I wrote down, secondly, how can we be on fire for God? Well, first of all, be of a sound mind. But, but, but secondly, be sound in doctrine. Be sound in doctrine. Look at verse 7. It says, in all, the, in all things, so not just some things, but in everything in your life, in all things, showing thyself or yourself a pattern of good works. So here's the theme of, the, of this book about good works, that, that Paul is commissioning Titus to go to this island of Crete. He says, above all things, I want you to have good works in your life. I want you to live in a way that other people around you will clearly know that you are a child of God. Wouldn't that be great today if we had a household of just men and women and boys and girls who just sought to just live their lives above reproach to where people couldn't just be shooting arrows at them and bullets in them and saying, hey, you're doing this and you call yourself a Christian. Well, why is that? Well, listen, be sound in doctrine. And right here, it begins with good works and it says, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, and then sound speech. But I wrote down, be sound in doctrine. And I wrote down this, I wrote down this reference, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here's what I wrote down. Discern from the right and wrong 
doctrine of God. Discern from the right and wrong doctrine of God. Verse number seven emphasizes that you will have a pattern or you will have, have characteristics. You will have a lifestyle of good deeds and good works based upon your beliefs. So let me say it like this. Your, our beliefs about the Savior will determine our behavior. The way we behave is based upon how and what we believe. And when we're diving into God's word, we're going to understand God's word at a greater knowledge, especially the more we're into it. As the years go by, as the years have gone by in your life, I'm sure your, your understanding of God's word has deepened. And then you've also been deepened in the understanding of the fact that, man, how little do we even know about God's word? And here, I want you to know this word, uncorruptness. Would you say that with me? Uncorruptness. Say it again, please. Uncorruptness. This word is a unique word found in the New Testament, and it means, it literally means this right here. It means of purity. So in other words, that when we're diving into doctrine, we have to have the pure doctrine of God. And the only way you can understand that is by getting into God's word. You know, Jerome, back in like the three or four hundreds AD, so three or four hundred years after Jesus Christ, he comes on the scene and he translates the word of God into Latin. And then that began this long period of time, about a thousand years, give or take, of what's called the Dark Ages. And why was it called the Dark Ages, you may ask? It was called the Dark Ages because the common man did not have access to the Word of God in his own language. So then we had all these priests, we had all these people in that time period coming and saying, hey, you know, if, if you want to, to have a nice relationship with God, the only way you can do that is by, by, by giving a certain amount of money to the church and becoming a member of this particular church right here. So for a thousand years, all this stuff was taught. And then finally, some people come on the scene and they, they get a hold of God's word and, and they're reading God's word for themselves. And then it becomes alive. And then they understood that what was being taught was not true. Martin Luther comes on the scene in like the 1500s and 1400s and he reads the Bible and he, and he gets to Romans and he gets to Galatians. He says, justification is not by the sacraments of a certain faith, but it's only by faith. That is not works. And I want you to know this, that when we are reading the Bible, we have to understand that there is a pure doctrine of the Christian faith. Now, I'm not here saying that, that every doctrinal dot or doctrinal T of the Baptist faith and message, we can take it to the bank. Because listen, there's some things that we just aren't ever going to fully know until we get to heaven. But, but understand this, that we have to discern from the right and wrong doctrine of God. So if somebody says that Jesus is not the only way to heaven, well, you can mark it down that that's wrong because the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the only way. If somebody tries to say that, hey, you got to be baptized frontward, backward, and sideward, and upward, and then sprinkled and poured upon in order to be saved, you know that, hey, the Bible says that for by grace have we been saved. And not of works, lest any man should boast. If somebody comes and say that, that, hey, in order for you to get to heaven, you have to be a member of Clearbrook Baptist Church. If somebody ever say that to you, you can just say, hey, well, hey, actually, actually, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Nowhere in that verse does it say you have to be a member of this specific church. So whenever somebody starts to teach these things, we have to understand there is an uncorruptness and purity in the doctrine of God. And see, when you get on fire for God, you're going to want to learn more about God. And if you're here today and, and, and if all you're doing is drinking the milk of God's word and not diving into the meat, 
Well, that's okay for, for somebody who's been saved for just a few years. But if, you, if you're sitting here and you've been saved for many decades and you're still drinking from the milk of the word and not trying to go deeper, then something needs to change. I also wrote on this. Respect the pure doctrine of God. The word gravity. Now, this is not the term gravity that you're thinking of. That What goes up must come down. <laughs> You know, as I grew up skateboarding, I understood that, that, that truth very, very, very often. Um, so many times I fell and, and, and hurt myself, and, and I'm just thankful that God's grace kept me alive from some of the foolish things that I did on a skateboard. But, but this is not what the word gravity means. This is, this, this is a, a, a term that's, that's kind of like the word grave or, or some type of, uh, of honesty or, or, listen, some type of respect. You know, you go to a cemetery like the cemetery right over there. You know, that's not a place that we're going to go and vandalize or, or cause trouble or, or do things. You know, I, I was taught when I was younger, you know, if you don't respect the dead, how could you ever respect the living? And so I, I'm just, I say all that to say this, that here, this word gravity, it gives the idea of respect. Just as we walk into a cemetery and we would have respect. Just as we walk into to, uh, the White House and we would have respect. Just as we walk into a church service and we should have respect for God. I, I want you to know that in the context here, he is saying that we have to have re the utmost, highest regard and respect for God's word and what it teaches. The Bible that, that you're holding and that I'm holding, it is unlike any other book. People's lives were taken so that we could have the English Bible. People's heads were cut off. People were burned alive, drowned alive, all so that we could have this book right here. And in our modern Americanized culture, we forget the past. And because we forget what people went through so we could have this book right here, we begin to respect this lesser. And so today I say that we respect this more than any other thing in this world. That we hold the word of God in higher regard than the Constitution of the United States of America. That we hold the word, and that's a, a great document. I, I, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying that this book right here is over that. It's supreme. It is, it, it is something that we should regard in higher respect than the Declaration of Independence. Yes, in 1776, our founding fathers and our forefathers, they came and declared our independence as a nation. It's a great thing, and it's awesome, and I love this nation. But I want you to understand this, that there's a greater article of faith. There's a greater document that our world has that we should have in higher regard, and that is the Word of God. The book of Matthew, all the way to the book of Revelation. The book of Genesis, all the way to the book of Malachi. This book is something that we should respect. And there was a time in the American culture that we respected the Word. Our founding fathers, not all of them, were sold out, dedicated, born again, children of God, but they respected this book right here. And that's why, whether our society wants to believe it or not, this nation was founded upon biblical ideologies and theologies and principles. And, and as we come here, we understand that our nation has lost that respect for God's word. With the ideas and the philosophies of secularism and humanism and some of the other things that, that, that our world says that, hey, hey, this is just a, a nice little bedtime storybook that we read to little kids. No, it's far more than that. It's the inspired and errant, infallible, preserved word of the living God. So let's respect it. I also wrote on this. 
sincerely accept the pure doctrine of God. That word sincerity. Sincerely accept the pure doctrine of God. You know, you could live your whole life. You could be in church your entire life and hear everything from Daniel's 70 weeks and Antiochus Epiphanes from the book of Daniel. You could, you could study the law to the T and you could know exactly how the Old Testament temple was laid out and exactly what the high priest did and all that stuff. You can know all the details. But if you don't accept the redemption story of the Bible, you've studied it in vain. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came because it was predicted that he was come even before the foundation of the world. The Lamb of God was predestined to come and to slay sin on the cross so that we could have eternal life and have it more abundantly through him and him only. And today, you know, we could hear the Bible. It could go in this ear and out this one. But the Bible says that unless you accept the message of the word of God, you'll spend eternity separated from him in a devil's hell. And so today, I, I, I submit to you that if you've never accepted the payment that was paid for your sin on the cross 2,000 years ago, you need to do it before it's eternally too late. The, the Spirit of God is knocking on your door. The Word of God is knocking, and Jesus said He's knocking at your door, and you need Jesus. We all need Jesus, especially if you're lost. Be sound in doctrine. Be sound in mind. But how can we be on fire for God? As I read verse number 8, I wrote down this. Be sound in speech. Be sound in speech. Yes, this word speech and this word sound, it gives the idea that in doctrine showing sound speech, just like in doctrine showing uncorruptness, in doctrine showing gravity, in doctrine showing sincerity, but for the sake of application, I wrote down, be sound in speech. And as we, we read in verse number eight, it goes on to say, that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. As I was thinking of this, I, 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 was, I, was, I was also meditating on this thought, that... If we say we are a Christian, then the words that come out of our mouth should verify that declaration. And here's the first thought. Speak with compassion. If you say you love God and you don't speak with compassion, get right with God. If you say you love God and you curse out the waitress or the waiter at the restaurant, it's time to come to the altar and repent and get right with God. If you say you love God and you don't treat your spouse the way that God has called you to treat them in the word, listen, it's time to get right with him. If you say you love God and you treat your children dis disrespectfully and, and you provoke them to wrath, it's time to get right with him. If you say you love God and you don't show compassion and speak with compassion, something's wrong. Where is the love in the church? The Bible says God is love. That Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The Bible says over and over again that God demonstrated his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love was, was greater than any of our loves. But if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we should demonstrate that love as well. And I'm not just saying on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. I'm talking about, hey, at 5 p.m. in a deacon's meeting, at, at 5 p.m. in a business meeting. I'm talking about at, at, at 7 a.m. on Monday morning when, you, when you're like, oh, oh, Lord, it's morning. Oh, good Lord, it's morning. Help me out. 
I'm talking about every every day, not just on Sundays, but every day and, and every meeting and everything that we're doing. Show love. I also wrote on this as I read. It goes on and speaks the word about condemn. I said, speak without condemnation. You know, sin is sin and we stand where God stands and we stand firm on this. But that does not mean that we have to go around pointing our fingers and having a condemning spirit. The Bible says that God is the judge and he is the one that is going to condemn and damn those in the afterlife. Not you, not me. So as we're out speaking, let's speak in a way that demonstrates the love of God, but stands firm on the truth of the word of God. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So guess what? As a child of God, you, as a child of God, we do not have God's condemnation. We're not declared guilty in his eyes. And so the thing that we should not be doing is walking around and declaring everybody else to be guilty. Because the law of God already does that. The conscience that God has placed us reveals to us that we have sinned and we're separated from God and we need His love and we need His forgiveness. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid that many Christians, many people who call themselves believers speak with condemnation. If you say you're on fire for God and you speak without love and with judgment, then you need to get right with God. This verse, it goes on to talk about being ashamed and how somebody looking into your life, how when you're speaking about God's word that you cannot be condemned or declared guilty. And then it goes on to talk about how that he that is of the contrary part, somebody who is not saved, it says that, that they may be ashamed having uh, uh, no evil thing to say of you. So I wrote on this, speak without humiliation. Speak without humiliation. You know, there's one thing to stand firm, but there's another thing to humiliate others. It is not my place as a pastor to use the pulpit as a place of humiliating others. It is not my place to do any of that stuff. My place is to take God's word and expound what God's word says and then Apply it to all of our lives. Yes, Paul's writing to Timothy about these young men and these young women and these older men and these older women. But I wonder, I wonder, do we have any people here today that want to live the rest of their life on fire for Jesus Christ and His Word? God is searching. He's looking. He's hunting for men and women who will commit their lives fully to Him and say, for the rest of the days that I have, I want to live in complete holiness. I want to live on fire, set ablaze for the gospel and His word. I wonder if we can take Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 and live it out. For our God is a consuming fire. In the Old Testament, I close with this. In the Old Testament, they would bring their sacrifice to the altar. And as they would come to the altar, they would bring their lamb. 
that was without spot and without blemish. And there they would take these hooks that were, that were chained to the altar and they would hook it around there so the lamb could stay right there on that altar. And then they would offer that lamb as a sweet-smelling savor into the nostrils of Almighty God as a sacrifice. And, and in that moment, God would consume the altar with fire. I wonder if God would consume our lives today with the fire of God. Will you be on fire for God? Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.